Hello, wonderful people of the world, and welcome to season three of Go Out and Talk to Strangers. This is Adi. I'm a nomadic architect and the founder of the new movement, architecture studio that designs one-of-a-kind, innovative, and creative projects worldwide, using the built environment as a tool to help people thrive. During my world travels, I'm constantly meeting incredible people, people who are reshaping the way we live, work, and connect. The reason I started this show is because I want to highlight the ones who are leading the way. This is the place where I host thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and founders of unique projects to share their stories and insights. I want to invite you to be part of the change. If you are looking for something bigger than yourself, if you also feel that we can do better, that standard is simply not good enough, you're in the right place, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. And today, I'm very, very happy to have with us Lior Fischer-Shiloni. She's the co-owner of The Visionary. It's a trend forecasting agency based in Tel Aviv. They do research, consultancy, lectures, courses. They have a really amazing line of work. Hi, Lior. Hi. And before you, I'll let you introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about what you do, which is extremely interesting. I want to start by reading a beautiful quote we found on your website. A trend is a state of mind, a very, very wide perspective that begins in the margins and slowly reaches the masses. I absolutely love it. <laughs> uh, so hi, Lior, and thanks again for being with us today. Hi, thanks for having me. So trend forecasting agency, what does that mean? It means that what we do is basically we try to identify trends and translate them into valuable information for our clients. So it's a business to business. We work with uh, commercial companies, with designers, uh, with different types of uh, companies and brands. And our job is to be uh, some sort of uh, um, knowledge base or, or you know, uh, mm-hmm. a tube of information for our clients when they want to go uh, on a new project, when they want to um, form a new strategy, when they want to decide where their brand is going. And mainly, I think, because they want to stay relevant. So our job is to try and identify those upcoming trends, upcoming shifts, and then direct our clients to the right actions and strategies To implement these ideas that we identify usually between one year or two years ahead. And how does one become a, a trend forecaster? Let's say you, for example. The journey to become a trend forecaster is quite different for me and for my partner Natalie. Natalie, she founded the agency in 2014 and her background is from design. Uh, she graduated from Shenkal uh, in fashion design. And I think after a while, she understood that she doesn't want to be a fashion designer and that she wants to research and investigate concepts and, and cultural shifts. And she ended up um, knocking on the doors of uh, Lee Edelcourt, uh, which is a very famous trend uh, forecaster in Paris. And after she worked there, she came back to Israel and she founded the agency. Mm-hmm. 
But my journey to trend forecasting was totally different because my background is from business and strategy. I graduated from Parsons. My major was strategic design and management with uh, with a minor in innovation. And one of my uh, professors at school uh, was working for Lee Edelcourt. This is how, how I found myself in trend forecasting. Amazing. So I guess Lee Edelcourt is kind of like the mecca of trend forecasting. Most people, when they hear trend, they think color of the year, right? They think, uh, what should I wear ne next spring? But it's more than that. It's much more than that. Colors and what should I wear, uh, it's definitely types of trends. But uh, I think, first of all, if you want to understand the meaning of, of the word trend, you need to go back. Uh, the historical definition was to spin or to turn. And it was really used uh, by mathematicians to describe an increase or decrease in a graph. Mm. And then somewhere around the 60s, uh, 1960s, uh, the meaning of the word uh, became more cultural, okay? So people started to use the term trend to describe a certain shift or a change uh, in terms of social and cultural behavior and perceptions. So today when we use the word trend in the wider definition, we actually look at different social, political, cultural processes and changes and shifts that happen. And as you, uh, you said at the beginning, trends usually, um, they begin at the margins of society. So they begin in those places that usually a company or a business, uh, even someone uh, in a research and development department wouldn't look, mm. okay? So we usually look at big data, we usually look at the mainstream, and what we do in, in trend forecasting is we always look at the margin where those, you know, trends and, and uh, anomalies and unusual or innovative behavior begin to thrive. And then our job is to understand when are they going to explode, where they will diffuse, how big they're going to be. Um, and I think this is mostly the essence of what we do. This is super interesting. I think we all see phenomena all the time, but we, we can't really tell if it means something or not. It might just be, you know, just a random group of people who decide to do something. Can you share an example, let's say, of something that you noticed nowadays or last year? I think that what we do is we really monitor closely the margins of society. And when I say margins, we have both the upper margins, which is uh, the world of design, uh, high-end brands, um, fashion designers, product designers, brands that are very much into innovation, startups. And when we're When we talk about the lower margins, we usually talk about subcultures, innovative people, um, protests, things that happen in the lower, lower part of society that come from the people. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think maybe one of the most prominent example would be the Black Lives Matter 
uh, movement, mm. which started really, you know, uh, marginal as protests by people that um, felt that their message should be heard. And it really became a trend. It became a social cultural phenomena. So today, even if you look uh, fashion, every campaign, every company, every brand that considers himself, you know, serious and relevant would have um, a black person as as a representative. Yeah, to have diversity. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm -hmm. There is so much more awareness nowadays. Exactly. So this is one example of how um, a trend begins in the in the margins as a as a social phenomena, as something that really represents a shift, a new a new idea, a new state of mind, and then becomes mainstream. And I think it even goes deeper than having like um, a black person as your uh, brand ambassador. I think today you can actually go uh, on website and see uh, black-owned businesses. Mm. So it really became something that's important to consumers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can you maybe share with us something that you can see uh, nowadays? Let's say we're recording this episode in uh, the beginning, the first quarter of 2022. I, I wonder when people would be listening to it because, you know, it's always... It's out there in the internet and it just stays there forever. Uh, so if you can share something that you notice nowadays that is not big yet, I hope I'm not putting you on the line here. <laughs> it's something that you can share. <laughs> I think that generally speaking, um, our forecast uh, really talks about the idea of, of a bipolar world. Mm. We can talk um, later about how you do how you predict trends and how you really analyze and and understand trend forecasting but i think some maybe the most prominent um idea that's that's going with us um is that the world is becoming more and more bipolar and we can talk about how people are becoming hyper digital And hypo-digital, we can talk about how the idea of hope stands by the idea of revolution. Uh, so very much mm. the idea of polarized world and polarized ideas that we will see um, getting more and more, uh, I think, influential. I think maybe... Um, I'm just thinking you spoke before about uh, how people think the trend is a color or trend is what you wear. And it might be important to understand what's the difference between a trend and a fad. And also to understand that there are different types of trends and the trends usually have an aesthetic implementation. So they have a, an, an aesthetic way to translate the idea So if we wear a color, a certain color, usually it has, if you go back and you research and you go deeper, you can understand why this color becomes extremely important at that certain point of time. So for now, uh, I mean, we can talk about, it's been a while that we're talking about blue and the idea of digital blue and how digital blue uh, really 
goes into our, our physical lives because it's something that really represents this tension between the digital and the physical. Um, it's just an example. So I think what we really like to do in the agency is not only telling our clients the next big thing will be blue or brown or this product or that product. It's really showing them how we came to this conclusion and what led us to believe that this is the next big thing. Yeah, and also, I guess, how can one use that information to, in a way, future-proof? I don't think we can future-proof anymore anything. Uh, you, you said that a trend is that shift in a graph. I think if you look at the past few years, it's going to look like this crazy <laughs> sketch because the world is changing so fast. And I don't know how long trends last. Uh, but it seems that, and um, I want to share with the audience, I've been to one of your talks that was incredible in Tel Aviv. I was very, very lucky to be in the audience. And you mentioned something about the uh, digital world and the digital identity, uh, kind of like finding its way into our physical lives. And then just after the talk, I went to a cafe and I saw the, the person at the bar. She had this really incredible makeup and it wasn't Halloween or the Jewish Halloween Purim <laughs> and you can see how she's living probably her avatar's lives and I, I just looked at it I was like oh wow I didn't even see that layer of the reality before you you kind of like pointed it out maybe a day before I would look at her and think yeah okay she's a creative <laughs> but now I can see that it means she identifies so much with her digital presence that she actually got starting to wear and yeah this is super super mind-blowing interesting stuff uh, but I wonder so let's say we have that knowledge a lot of the um, listeners of this podcast there are people who are starting their own businesses they're building unique projects around the world and they want to understand better how to we already know that consumers are basing their decisions nowadays not only on um, you know the cheapest right we want to support brands that we we identify with that we believe in that we have shared values so let's say if you want to design something for tomorrow because you know architecture takes time how can we know what's going to happen next and how can we use that knowledge and understand where we're going and I, I think you may be the right person to talk with <laughs> when it comes to to understanding tomorrow so I think in our experience and it happened more than once um, we enter a room uh, we sit in front of you know high-ranked uh, people managers business owners decision makers and we give them our predictions and I would say more than half of the time, they're like, what? I mean, it's so difficult for people to grasp and understand some of the very futuristic ideas that we talk about. But then what we do in the agency and, and part of our um, like strategic, um, strategic idea, strategic um work is to translate those really big ideas that seems insane at the moment into actionable items. 
So I think uh, a few years ago, I can give you some examples of... of please, um, please. A few years ago, we, we had an interview um, and, and we were asked, what will the future of fashion look like? It's been a few years that we're talking about digital clothes. At, at the beginning, people in lectures, our clients, they, they were blown away by this idea and they were like, this is not profitable. Why would we make clothes that people can only wear online? It's clothes that doesn't exist. <laughs> and you can see today that every fashion brand, but literally every fashion brand has a virtual collection, collaborates with gaming apps. So it's something that really we identified at the beginning when it was only in the margins, only few people were dealing with it. And, and even more than that, today, even in the academy, we teach at, at uh, Shenkal College, even at the academy, you have courses that are oriented towards digital fashion. So in the last, even in the last uh, fashion show, they had one collection that was entirely digital. Mm-hmm. I think it's difficult for people sometimes to grasp these ideas, but what we do is that we work with them towards implementing uh, those big ideas in ways that are easier to digest. And I think it's, it's the same when you look at the idea of um, trend diffusion, because as I said, trends, they usually begin in the margins with the innovators. So it's something like 2% of population. And then they get adopted by the cool hunters, which are the people that are very much open-minded towards innovation and new ideas. Yeah. And this group of people, the cool hunters, they usually transform the idea or adapt it to make it a bit easier for the mainstream to adopt. And then it goes to the early majority, which are the people that, you know, inside the mainstream that are hyper aware and hyper connected and are very much, uh, you know, the it girls. <laughs> and then from there, it goes into late majority and the rest of the mainstream. Super interesting. I wonder where everyone who listened to this episode uh, place herself on this line. I feel like the listeners of this podcast probably has a very aware I don't know if hyper aware, but yeah, very attentive, mindful approach into, okay, what's next and how can we plan better? Because it is very clear that things are changing and we cannot keep doing the things the way we grew up and how it was done before. It would be really interesting to talk about some of the trends that has to do with uh, remote work, well-being that we can see now. It's a huge trend. Maybe you can share with us some insights that you see nowadays. So I think the COVID was really, it was an accelerator for trends. Mm -hmm. So when we go and we research and we investigate trends, we usually, we try to identify key factors. And those key factors can be events, ideas, uh, they can be um climate events, to political events, to economical events uh, that will influence the way people behave. The COVID crisis was uh, not only a key factor that led the emergence of so many trends, 
it was also really accelerating all these processes and shifts that we that we trend forecasters we were looking at but we thought it would take much longer for them to diffuse into the mainstream so i think if you um talk about the idea of 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 work and remote working we had we were talking uh i think a year before before covid happened uh we were talking about uh nomadism we had uh, selina hosting us for a lecture about about the idea of of nomads and and digital nomads and we were really talking about how this trend we're going to see it evolving uh during the next decade and then covid came and instead of 10 years it happened in such a short time so i think uh there are a few trends that we identify in terms of of the future of work you can already see some countries that are shortening the work week the leading companies are actually giving their employees more freedom right you can decide how many days you're going to work as long as you get the work done it doesn't really matter it's more about quality or you can decide how many days off you want to take so yeah it's exactly it's the idea of of quality over quantity absolutely the well-being of employees is is crucial and and it's it's directly linked to their effectivity and and the way that they um and their productivity so we see a lot of companies that not only uh dive into the well-being of their of their employees but we also see that the idea of work is becoming an experience Mm. So we're looking at the the idea of of working through the lens of the experience economy and companies and brands are are looking to give their employees the most amazing experiences um in their in their daily in their daily lives and if you look at people that are actually independent people are really I think covid made a lot of us understand uh what's really important to us and how we want our lives to look like and the idea of work life balance really changed so that's something that we're going to see really keep keep developing in the future so for people who are developing let's say uh workation sites or co-working spaces in incredible location they can probably expect more people coming to them for a longer period of time it really changed the way we travel when we can work remotely because we don't have to do a, a three days here a five days there and then i have to be back in the office i can actually open my computer and do my work from anywhere exactly and that also affects the business that hosts me because they have to accommodate different needs exactly I think when we're talking about the idea of co-working spaces, we have to remember that co-working spaces were a huge trend uh before COVID and then COVID arrived and no one wanted to work in an open space with another, you know, with with a group of people that they don't necessarily um know that well and take the risks. Yeah, breathe the same particles and all Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So 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 then we saw the emergence of this counter trend which talks much more about um 
actually individualism and solitude and you know working uh, alone in a, in a private space uh, not necessarily from your home but we actually saw um, the need to to be more protected in a protective environment and to work in a much more protected environment so I think along this idea of of co-working spaces and open communities we will also see the counter trend of people that really needs the idea of of protection and really needs the idea of um, also quiet yeah so the world around us there's something so hectic so noisy and some people really need this this silence and the quietness to be in their best element absolutely I feel like a lot of the offices that we work in that people work in nowadays uh, they still have that assembly line mentality of you know that open space the cubicles the corner office and if you look at peak performance and design that actually affects creativity it's never about that big office space it's more about having variation like having quiet rooms and more interactive areas it's more about having different positions you can work in sitting standing outdoor indoor having much much more variety it is interesting you know at some point we thought that offices are gonna be vanished <laughs> right there was this big piece uh, about Pinterest they paid 90 million dollars to To break their lease of their office spaces this is how much it's worth for them to not have an office space and now it seems like I don't know if it was a good decision or not because people still want to interact with others and go back to the office sometimes I think it's just like uh, the idea of retail stores so uh, a few years ago we kept hearing everyone talking about the death of brick and mortar people are not gonna go and Uh, to physical stores anymore the retail world is is gonna shift completely into e-commerce and and we kept saying and we kept talking to our clients we kept saying wait wait a minute before you know you celebrate the funeral of of physical spaces because people <laughs> still need the physical experience they still need to the human touch the human interaction so when we talk to our clients about um, this idea we talk about how physical spaces need to transform and how they need to evolve and and we talk about this evolution of the physical space rather than about you know the 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 idea that uh we're all gonna sit at home twenty four seven we're never gonna leave our homes and we're gonna do everything digitally uh because this is not it's definitely not the near future amazing Oof. <laughs> um so it's the same with the idea of of the office, and I think in our lecture the one that that you you were in, we were talking about this tension between the hyper digital and the hypo digital. What is hypo in case someone is not familiar with that okay, so the idea of hypo uh digital is kind of like the idea of going off the grid mm. it's the opposite of being hyper digitalized and hyper connected, so we're talking about these two. 
two ends in, in the world of... Yeah, two extremes. Exactly. So our mega trend that we were talking about was extremium, which is actually the point in a function, the, the maximum and the minimum points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea that you can play with the maximum and the minimum points to go into this state of optimization. And specifically in the lecture that, that you were in, we were talking about being hyper-digitalized and being hyper-connected and what it means today and what it will mean in the future, as opposed to the idea of taking a break and, and actually minimizing your exposure and minimizing your point of contact with technology, with social media, you know, with, with all those things that are around us 24-7. And today we can say that, you know, going off the grid uh, or, or being hypo-connected is actually, it's, it's, it's luxury. It's, it's a new type of luxury. It is, right? It feels like you're expected to be, to be available at all times, to respond to emails at all times. And if you can afford not to be online, that means you probably have something good going on, right? It- exactly. Media, everyone is trying to, to get our attention, to be able to focus on one thing or to, to not look at all outside of just take a moment to be with yourself, with your family, with nature. It means so much nowadays. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like developing a new skill, mm-hmm. a new skill of going off the grid, of, you know, uh, being hypo, hypo-digital. It's something that people will have to learn in the future how to do and, and without, you know, getting hyper stressed and FOMO and, you know, there, there's like nomophobia, which is like the fear of being away from the, your phone. That's an actual thing. Wow. I can't believe it's a thing. Nomophobia. Yes. So, so no, nomophobia is the fear of being unable to use your phone. So it's what happens when you have like 3% uh, of battery left. <laughs> and I think that it's a new skill that we will have to develop uh, how, to, how to be in peace and how to be happy and how to be uh, satisfied while, while we are hypo-connected. Yeah, it is very, very interesting. And we'll have to... We'll have to learn that skill because there are so many, it seems like the market just wants us to keep consume and keep being online at all times, but that effect on our mental health and the relationship with the people around us in the physical spaces, I think we have to be much more mindful of how we spend our time and how our consciousness is being, what, what keeps us busy uh, is it the things that we want or it, are we just, I don't know, scrolling and scrolling and getting lost in the information that other people are feeding us. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Amazing. Okay, we're almost coming to an end. But before we go, there is one question that I ask all my guests. So this question is called the wild napkin. It's a surprise question. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I am. Okay, so it goes like this. <laughs> okay, so you go into a bar... And you have a couple of drinks and your mind is really, really free. And all of a sudden you have the craziest idea, but all you have is a napkin. So you write it down. The next day you find it in your pocket. What does it say? Wow. 
It's a challenging question, I have to say. I actually listen to to few. I mean, I listen to few of the pod podcasts, and I I I was thinking what would be my my answer to that question. But now I have I have nothing in mind. I think intuitively, I would say um, leave everything and take your family for a year around the world just to see, you know, Ooh. to explore nature and see how it looks like. But then I think I'm a very realistic person. So it would probably have, <laughs> I mean, I would probably write a strategic business plan for something rather than just uh, <laughs> go off the grid It's almost like we just what we just talked about, right? It's like, okay, I want to be completely disconnected, but I also have brilliant ideas, so I want to share them with the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Amazing. I love this answer. Thank you for being honest and thank you for being my guest today. I hope you enjoyed your time with us very much. All right, so uh, thank you everyone for being with us and until the next time, go out and talk to strangers. Have a great day. Hi again, I hope you liked today's episode. If you learned something new, make sure to pay it forward and share it with someone in your network that might like it as well. Follow the show and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. As you know, I love to hear from you. If you have a thought or a question regarding today's episode, go to the New Movement website. That's www.thenewmvt.com and use the contact form to leave us a comment. Thank you for being part of the change. I'll see you next time.